0: whether it's online or TV, of Ukrainian families separated by war. This is sort of hard to miss out on because it's been really everywhere. We can't go even five minutes, it seems, without seeing or hearing about some tragedy. Mothers and their children fleeing their homeland. Fathers saying their last goodbye as they prepare to fight for their homes. And these people in Ukraine, they need our compassion that manifests itself in meaningful ways, providing shelter, transportation, food, warmth, and all those things. But most importantly, what the people of Ukraine need, what the people of the world need, is a compassionate Savior, a perfect Shepherd, the person of Jesus Christ. And it's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to think, as the social gospel does, that, well, if we just feed, if we clothe, if we focus on the physical needs, then that's enough. But the reality before us this evening, as we look at our text out of Mark chapter 6, Jesus meets all the needs. He meets the physical. He meets the spiritual. And he shows this evening that he is that compassionate shepherd. Our Savior demonstrates the kind of compassion even that puts our best efforts to shame. And as we consider this text this evening, Mark chapter 6, we've noticed that contextually that what's come just prior to this, if you look at the beginning of chapter 6 in the book of Mark, we see that Jesus has just been rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. And so, he's going now to the more remote areas, he's going into Galilee, he's going to the land of the Gentiles, and even here in our text, he's going into deserted places. He's sending his disciples and he's even teaching there. Then you see at the beginning of chapter 6 in verse 7, he's also sent out the 12 disciples and they have been accomplishing this mission uh, that Jesus has sent them out on to preach and to heal. And you see the work of the Spirit among them as their mission is being accomplished by God's grace in this mass of people, 5,000 men besides women and children, now gathering to Jesus, hearing the voice of the Good Shepherd. And we also see in chapter 6, John the Baptist beheaded, where Herod has, in verse 26, if you look there, it says, the king was exceedingly sorry, yet because of the oaths, because of those who sat with him at this, big, at this party, he has John beheaded because of pressure. That Herod is not a faithful shepherd. Herod is not a faithful leader of the Israelites. And so we need one who is. We need one who is that good shepherd of the sheep. And so God's people need compassionate shepherds to lead with understanding, to lead with humility. And our text before us lays out in simple but beautiful language this, this simple principle that Jesus is the compassionate shepherd who does three things. He gathers his sheep, he directs his sheep, and he feeds his sheep. Jesus is the compassionate shepherd who gathers his sheep, who directs his sheep, and who feeds his sheep. And so we'll look in those three divisions of the text. The gathering of the sheep in verses 30 through 34. The directing of the sheep in verse 35 through 40. And then the feeding of the sheep in 41 through 44. So first, the gathering in verse 30. You'll notice there it says in in verse 30 of chapter 6, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus, and they told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Again, Thinking back to what the what have the disciples been doing, they've been on this mission that Christ has sent them out to heal and, most importantly, to preach the good news of the gospel. And so now they're coming back. They are coming as sheep to their shepherd. They're gathering to him and they're telling him all the things. They're excited by what's happened, uh, even as he has used them in powerful ways, what they have done, what they have taught. Isn't it amazing that God uses his people? That God uses his sheep even to become leaders among his people. And so the gathering of his disciples then is because of their public ministry in Galilee first. But it's also because of what we've seen with Herod. Jesus is gathering his disciples not only because they're tired, not only because they're hungry from their mission, but also because we've seen that Herod, that the Roman leadership, is really has, has in a sense, a vendetta against the people of God. That they are out to oppose the growth of the kingdom, to oppose the king of the kingdom, namely Jesus Christ. And so the public ministry brings the people brings the disciples to Jesus because they're hungry, they're tired, but even the opposition from the Roman leadership brings them to Jesus because he is the one who is their comfort. He is the one who shows that He is good, and He will guide them, and he will direct them in what they are to do next. And so therefore, what does He do? Well, Jesus sends them to a deserted place, 31. He said to them, come aside by yourselves. Notice that, that shepherd language. Come aside. Come over here to a deserted place and rest for a while. God provides, Christ provides here a place of rest for his disciples. Even as he calls us into his presence each Lord's Day to rest. What a joy rest in God is. Sabbath rest but even here rest from work from toil from labor among the among other sheep in the fields that are ripe with harvest And so, he's sending them to this deserted place. And what's interesting about this deserted place is really two major things. First, this is the land of the Gentiles. This deserted place is, we've seen that he's already been rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. He's already gone into the land of Galilee. And now they're going to this deserted place, to this land of the Gentiles, even further, if you will. Where Christ is gathering his sheep from every corner of the earth. From every tongue, every tree tribe, every nation, and He's bringing them, calling them to Himself. We also see that the wilderness is the place where God tests, where He blesses, where He gives rest, where He meets, and He reveals His glory. We see that over and over throughout the Old Testament, but again and again in the New. That it's in the wilderness, it's in these deserted places that Jesus will reveal himself in this particular text to his disciples. And that's really where he's going here in our text this evening. So verse 32, how do they respond? So the disciples departed to this deserted place in a boat by themselves, but the multitude saw them depart, and many knew him. So not only does the compassionate shepherd gather his sheep, but he also directs his sheep. And so what's interesting here is that Christ, this good shepherd of his sheep, Christ is moved with compassion. He's gathering his wandering people to himself. They're coming from from all the cities. We read in verse 33. Many knew him and they were running there on foot from all the cities. They're arriving even before them and they come together. They're all coming. They're streaming. They're running. They're leaping. They're, They're as sheep on the hillside. You can imagine what is it that Jesus sees in verse 34. When he came out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion. These, these people on the hillside, as if they're, they're sheep that are just, they're are hearing, they know the voice of their shepherd. And they're coming, streaming from the cities. Because they know his voice. His sheep know him and they come. The disciples' mission is being accomplished so thoroughly that all these people are streaming out of all the towns in that surrounding area. And what's interesting, we know later in our text there's about 5,000 men who are coming, besides women, besides children. And what's interesting is that cities like Capernaum at the time, big cities, would have had a population of roughly maybe 3,000 people at most, according to some commentators. And so, you think about a city population of 3,000, and now 5,000 men plus women plus children are coming to Christ. How great a multitude is streaming to our Savior, is streaming to hear the gospel message. But sadly, we know that popularity is not always linked with commitment. That even sheep wander. But how does Christ respond to these sheep? How does he respond to the people that are streaming out of the cities who are running to him? He responds with a heart that is moved with compassion for them. Verse 34, if you look at this verse, here lies the heart of your Savior on the pages of Scripture. Cherish this verse Verse 34 gives us a view into our Savior's motivations, into our Savior's love, into our Savior's sympathy for us, for his sheep. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began to teach them many things. This is the heart of your shaved Savior. This is the compassion for the multitudes, even for the disciples themselves, for the sheep, as he teaches. Invaluable lessons about himself as their Messiah, Shepherd. And so Christ is moved with compassion. What is compassion? You know, it's easy for us to think of words like love, compassion, grace, mercy. We use these words a lot, but often they're, they're difficult to pinpoint. And so I want to propose this definition, and specifically this word, uh, compassion, in the Greek, is used, at least in the New Testament, only by Jesus or about Jesus. So this word compassion is special because it's only used by or about Jesus. And I think, therefore, we could say a definition of compassion is simply this. It's Jesus' affectionate sympathy for his own people. Jesus' affectionate sympathy for his own people. He loves them. He cares for them. His heart yearns and it's moved as he sees them on the hillside. Think of Isaiah 42, verse 3. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoking wick he will not quench. This is the heart of your Savior, Jesus Christ, for you. He comes as a compassionate shepherd. Now why, why is he moved with compassion? Because, our text says, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. They had, no, they had no one to lead, to guide, to protect, to encourage them, to break their legs when they were going the wrong way. You'll know if you've heard about sheep before, you've seen sheep, you know how, how truly stupid sheep can be. That they will literally find ways to even kill themselves. And yet Christ comes in compassion to foolish people, to people in need of a Savior. We read in Ezekiel 34 the, these glorious words of that. Of that, that prophecy that Ezekiel brings, even there in his time, in his day, that the shepherds should have been feeding the people. The leaders at the time should have been giving food to the to the people of Israel, but instead they left them to starve and to be eaten by wild beasts. And now Jesus, the good shepherd, comes. He comes to feed his people and to deal with their wicked leaders. We see three particular ways that these leaders have been wicked, that the leadership in Israel has failed and left the Israelites exposed, weak, and hungry. And these three, three ways of uh, failed leadership are simply these. The failure of the priests, the failure of the teachers of the law, and the failure of Herod to protect his subjects. The priests we know have failed. Jesus has come in. He will... Uh, he will clear out the temple from all these, uh, from, from the exchanging of animals and money in the temple itself, purifying worship that the priests have let uh, run amok. The failure also of the teachers of the law, the scribes and the Pharisees, who have seen the law as the end-all and the be-all of life, but they have not pointed the people to Christ. They have not shown the people that it's the law that shows you your sin. It reveals your need for a compassionate shepherd. It shows you your need for Christ, the King of all kings, the God-man who comes in perfect flesh. The need for a Messiah. But we also see the failure of Herod to protect his people. We saw that in verse 26, where he is simply giving in to pressure at this party, and he's, he's killing the servants of God, faithful servants like John the Baptist. And so Christ's compassion then is on full display for us there in verse 34. Because these are sheep who don't have shepherds. They're sheep who need a shepherd. The compassionate shepherd. And so what does he do? He begins to teach them many things. His compassion first leads to teaching. And I think that's an important point for us, that man does not live by bread alone, as Christ said in his own temptation, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And so he comes to teach and to teach us that the primary task of shepherds, the primary task of pastors, the primary task of God's shepherds that he sets over his people is that of teaching, is that of showing the, the, the miraculous and the true work of Christ, directing them to his, his people to Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. What a compassionate Savior we have. Do you know this compassionate Savior? Is he your shepherd? Are you compassionate like he? Would others describe you as compassionate? Children, would your siblings describe you as compassionate? Parents, would your children describe you as compassionate? God demonstrates his compassion. He shows us his affection, his sympathy for us daily by his Holy Spirit's work in us. He has not left us without a shepherd. He has not left us without Emmanuel. When Christ goes up to heaven, he says, it is better that I go and that the Spirit stay with you indwelling your hearts and working in your midst. He knows your infirmities. He knows you are but dust. He knows your weakness and yet he died for you. It wasn't when you were perfect. It wasn't because he looked down and saw how good you would be. If anything, he dies. What does Romans say? He demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still corrupt, dead, miserable sinners, Christ died. It's at that moment that his love, his compassion is made manifest. And each and every day, Each and every minute that we come and we confess and we weep over the realities of our own sin, we see again and again what a compassionate Savior we have. How often are our hearts, even when we know this compassion of Christ, how often do our hearts become like the leaders of Israel? Like the priests, we corrupt worship. Like the, like the, uh, the uh, scribes and the Pharisees, we think that the law, if we just fulfill and we do enough things, then God will love us. Like Herod, we can begin to simply uh, be, uh, submit ourselves to peer pressure or we, we fail in, this, in protecting the people of God. We pursue our own good and not the good of others. How quickly does selfishness Creep into our own lives. Our families, honestly, some days can be pictures of this. I see it in my life. Praise God that Christ ministers to us. Praise God that Christ ministers to you through humble, through sincere, through sympathetic and affectionate love and and care for you as a sinner. Fathers, do not leave your families spiritually emaciated, spiritually weak, spiritually destitute, gaunt. But teach your children the law of the Lord. And on His law, meditate day and night. Children, be attentive to the preaching of God's Word every Lord's day. You have a privilege as you sit in these pews. A privilege that I had as a child. And it is so easy to neglect or to take for granted the privilege that as you sit here in these pews, week in and week out, that you sit under God's Word, and He ministers to you, children, by His Spirit's work in and among you. So run to Jesus. Find comfort in his compassion. Attend to his word. Pray for understanding. Meditate. Hide his word in your heart. Memorize it and work diligently even as he shows compassion to you. How can we but respond in gracious and in grateful and faithful obedience? So the compassionate shepherd then not only gathers, but he also directs his sheep beginning there in verse 35. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and they said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go to the surrounding country, the villages, and buy themselves bread. They have nothing to eat. But what does Jesus say to them? On the surface, the disciples are simply saying, we, We don't know how we're going to feed this. How are they going to eat? They're hungry. We're hungry. We haven't had anything to eat. But he answered and he said to them, You yourselves, you give them something to eat. Jesus challenges the the lack of faith of his disciples when they're simply saying, We don't know how we're going to do this. This is impossible. Jesus says, Not with God. You give them something to eat. You must step out in faith because the one who is at work in you to will and to do his good pleasure is faithful. He is omnipotent or you are not. He is sufficient, and you are insufficient. And so the disciples, in all of this, they recognize on the positive side, they recognize that they cannot meet this need. They see on the positive end that even 200 denarii is not going to be enough money to buy something for these people. Notice there in verse 37 Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Just as, as, by way of context, 200 denarii, a denarius is about a day's lab, a day's wage, right? So 200 denarii on an average U.S. salary is about $28,000. Now imagine being told that you need to get $28,000 in, I don't know, an hour. Let's say you need to find it in an hour. Um, th- this would be... To, a, to the disciples and to us, this would be, this is an impossible task. I, how am I going to, it wouldn't even be enough. But what does Jesus come back with them? What does he say? Verse 38, but he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. He doesn't stop challenging and directing and encouraging and rebuking all as a compassionate shepherd to his his sheep. Even to his disciples themselves, reminding them over and over that he is their shepherd, that he is guiding them, even as they are required to work and to do his good pleasure. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. And so he commanded them, notice that language again, over and over. You give them something, go and see. He commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. And they all sat down in groups of 150. What is that, that language? He made them all sit down on the green grass. It reminds me of Psalm 23. As this whole picture unfolding before us, this whole story, this whole event, this whole miracle reminds us that He is the Good Shepherd we shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He restores our soul. He leads us beside still waters. He guides us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And though we walk Through the valley of the shadow of death, though we don't know how we're going to provide, though we we, we don't think we have enough, we will fear no evil. For He is Emmanuel, God with us. He directs His sheep to compassionately shepherd others. They must be the shepherds to God's people. Even as he shows them by example and by command, here is how you do it. Here's what you're supposed to do. Jesus, he doesn't just say, go and do this. But He, interestingly enough, he shows and he provides the means by which they are going to feed the people. Jesus, he begins there in 39. He commanded them to make them all sit down in groups. So they go in ranks of hundreds and fifties. He's dividing his people again, just like he did back in Exodus, faithfully working through the counsel of Jethro. You remember that story? And Jethro comes to Moses and he says, Wouldn't it be, let's divide the people up. God again comes here and Christ is setting them in ranks of hundreds and fifties, dividing them up. And when He had taken the five loaves, the two fish, He looks up to heaven. He blessed and He broke the loaves and He gave them to His disciples so that they would set before the people. He is the faithful shepherd and He challenges them. He commands them. He directs them to be faithful shepherds too. So the multitudes on the surface can seem like an inconvenience. Remember, the disciples are hungry. The disciples are tired. They've just come from this mission. It's been encouraging. It's been exhausting. God's been at work. He's gathering his sheep to himself. But the multitudes could seem on the surface like an inconvenience to the disciples. Are there situations in your life where others seem like an inconvenience to you? Those people will be used for your sanctification. Those inconveniences, and we can testify to this over and over, God uses those inconveniences to bring about His will in our life, to make us more like Him, more like the person of Jesus Christ, make us holy, to refine us, to remove the dross. When we think that people are inconvenient, we see that, no, those people are being used by God to make us more like Him. When no solution presents itself, even here they're saying, how can we get this money? This is too much for us. Do you submit to God's authority? Do you submit to His will, knowing and trusting, believing that He will work all things out for the good of His own good pleasure, His own will? Do you acknowledge, do you confess your own lack of belief? Do you admit to Him, God, I don't know. I believe, help my unbelief. Christ is the answer to your questions, even as He's the answer to the disciples' question. How are we going to get this bread? How are we going to get enough food? Who is right in front of them? But the sufficient Savior, the abundant Savior who is Jesus Christ, He is the answer to your questions. He is the answer to your longing. He is the answer to your searching. He is sufficient. You are insufficient. Children, that means that Jesus is enough for you. He is your Savior. He is the one who dies for you, His people. He is enough when you are not. We read our Confession of Faith, chapter 8, from the Westminster Confession. That Jesus had in him, or I should say has in him, all the fullness, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in whom it pleased the Father, in Jesus, that all fullness should dwell. He is holy, he is harmless, he is undefiled, he is full of grace and full of truth. This is your Savior, Jesus Christ. He is sufficient. Cling to him. So not only does the compassionate Savior gather, direct, but he also feeds his sheep. He meets the spiritual needs. He teaches his people. He teaches his disciples. He commands and requires obedience. But he feeds with real bread, with real fish. He doesn't stop at the teaching. He could have. But he also meets the physical. He also meets the real needs that are there. And Jesus demonstrates when he comes to earth in his body, he knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be tired. He knows what it is to be distraught and downcast. Why hast thou forsaken me? And so he performs this creational miracle because he is your sufficient, your all-compassionate shepherd. And what does he do? He acts in time and in space. These are real events. This miracle is not something these bread and these fish did not just jump out of the water. He is multiplying. He is creating from nothing. What, do the, what happens when he had taken the five loaves? He has taken the two fish. He looks up to heaven. He blesses and he breaks the loaves and he gives them to the disciples. And the two fish he divided among them all. The fish and the loaves know their creator. They multiply, he he commands and they spring to being. He powerfully commands them to come and they come. Even the rocks cry out. The creation knows its creator, Do you. The disciples have been, in a sense, bumbling around, not quite knowing how to solve this problem that's in front of them. And what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He says, "Go, divide the people. Go, take this bread, take this fish, and give it to them." And if you were sitting there, if you were the people sitting in that green grass that day, and you're receiving, what do you say? You say thank you to the disciples. The disciples, then, are part of this miracle. They're part. Jesus has included them in his mercy and his compassion. He's included them in this. And he includes us in his mission as well. And what's amazing to us as we sit here today, as we think about our family life and how much God has provided for us, yes, we have struggles, yes, we are hungry, yes, we are weary, yes, we're exhausted, but He provides abundantly above anything we could ask or imagine. The shorter catechism, when it addresses this question on giving us our daily bread, it says this, Of God's free gift, we may receive a competent portion. That means enough. A sufficient portion of the good things of this life. And we enjoy his blessing with them. God gives us real, physical expressions of his compassion. Expressions of his love. By giving us not only families, but also he gives us his word He gives us of His Spirit. He gives us of Christian fellowship. He gives us of Himself in the person of Jesus Christ. You think about the Israelites in the Exodus. As God meets them, He brings them out and He feeds them. Over and over, God is faithful to minister to His people. How has He been faithful to you? How has he been faithful to minister to your heart, to your body, to your desires, but even giving you more abundantly above anything you could ask or imagine and not giving you some things that you wanted because he knows what is good and what is best. So he performs this abundant miracle. And what we see here, they all ate, verse 42, they were filled They took up 12 baskets full of fragments in the fish. And now, those who had eaten the loaves were 5,000 men. This is a multitude. And they ate to the last man, and they were filled. Do people eat the same amount when you're children, when you're sitting at the dinner table? Does everybody grab the same amount of food? Not normally. But they're all filled, they're all satisfied to the last man. They ate, they were filled, and he's dividing, and he's providing abundance so that not only are they filled, but beyond that competent portion, beyond the filling, God expresses here the abundant compassion, the abundant love he has for you in Christ, the abundant love he has for his people. Jesus is even greater than Elijah. Even greater than that man Elijah who went, remember, to the widow of Zarephath? She says, I have nothing to eat. And Elijah goes and he, by God's working through him, that flour never ran out. The oil never ran out. But Jesus provides here, not just bread and fish that never ran out, but that bubbles over with 12 extra baskets, over and over in abundance. Notice that Jesus is not only meeting the needs of the multitude, he's not only feeding the crowd, he's not only feeding the 5,000, he's feeding the 12 as well. He's faithful to feed the shepherds as well as the sheep. He's faithful to feed his people. What compassion does our God have? What compassion does our Savior have for us here in these pages as we look at His love for His people? Is this miracle for the crowds only? No. The miracle is really for the disciples as they, even in their lack of faith, as Christ reminds them, as He shows them, as He directs them, as He commands them, and He says, I will provide. Where you are insufficient, I am sufficient. He's showing them that he is God in the flesh. And that's really where the book of Mark is going. Mark chapter 8 is going to culminate, really the book of Mark is going to culminate here where Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's what Jesus is showing. I am the Messiah. I am the one prophesied in Ezekiel 34. I am the good shepherd. The entire narrative is instructive. And even if we think of uh, Peter himself, right, where Jesus would have this dialogue back and forth with Peter, and Peter would say, "I I love you. And Jesus said, well, then feed my lambs. I love you. Tend my sheep. I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. This same Peter would write in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 about the elders in the church of God. Now the church today expresses the compassion, the shepherd nature of Christ himself. He writes here in 1 Peter 5, The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, Peter, who am a fellow elder, a witness of the sufferings of Christ, a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain. Think of Herod, think of the scribes and Pharisees, think of the priests, the shepherds who are not doing their job, but being examples to the flock. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as lords, but as those entrusted and when the chief shepherd appears when jesus appears you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away there peter reminds the elders of the church the shepherds of israel the shepherds of the people of god that they are then to follow in the paths of christ in the path of christ as the compassionate shepherd so how are we to love how are we to respond to christ's love for us Feed his sheep. How should the disciples have responded to this, to this situation that presented itself to them? Lord, you can do all things. I don't know how. I don't know through whom. I don't know, I don't know the means. But I trust in your unfailing, omnipotent, compassionate love for your people. You back up your love with the ability to accomplish what you desire. God always proves his love. He proves his compassion by demonstrating over and over how much he has done for us in Christ. What greater need is there than redemption? What greater love than the love expressed through the person and work of Christ in being a compassionate, a sufficient A a saving high priest. One who is himself the sacrifice. One who is himself the means of atonement. What greater cause than bringing sinners home? Now Jesus compassionately condescends to his sheep in their current state. Jesus here gathers. Jesus directs. And Jesus feeds his sheep. Praise God for his provision, spiritually and physically, even when you are unaware. Seek day in and day out to praise God more and more. Do acts of mercy adorn your profession? Do you show compassion to the hungry like your Savior? Whether it's refugees in Ukraine or the hungry in Greenville, do you care about those who are hungry, both literally and spiritually? physically, and spiritually? Do you believe that God can do all things? Do you believe that Christ is the compassionate Son of God? You know, many of us, even today, we are recipients of God's blessings, whether it's in our church, whether it's homes over our head, food on our table, families, safety, siblings, godly parents, loving spouses, God's Word and His Spirit, He has provided, He has fed us faithfully. When God gives, He gives abundantly, knowing our great need because of His great compassion. And We are called to love as He loves, to give as He gives, for He is a compassionate shepherd. Let's pray.